Hello, welcome to Guides the Unknown. I'm Kristen. I'm William. You think the darkness is your ally. <laughs> but we were born I, in it. I was born in it. Forged in it. <laughs> welcome back, everybody. <laughs> uh, Chris and I have once again prepared uh, two giant topics from the wide world of horror, but before we do that... I would like to quickly acknowledge what just happened here. Why? I was doing Bane. <laughs> yeah, it's 2019, and Kristen's still doing Tom Hardy's Bane impressions. Right, I don't know if that's on the tip of everybody's mind, to, I don't know what you call that, so I just wanted to give you a little explanation. It's probably safe that you say that, because it's definitely not. Yeah, exactly. The movie came out in, like, 2011. It's been eight years. <laughs> it's been a long time. It's been a long time. Oh, my God. <laughs> not to me. I just watched the trilogy, so well, it's yeah. fresh in the mind. <laughs> Wonderful. Are you off your Let's Batman thing now? breaks first during this episode your body or your no it's your spirit or your body clunk and he breaks his back he says that like your body is supposed to be a surprise he's presently lifting batman over his head i think you could take a guess where he's going with or your body what (laughs) floating up there yeah okay we can move on anyway uh we're going to be dealing with an old classic segment of ours you know it you love it Two sentence horror stories. That's right. But one of our listeners, Emma, put a new spin on it. Rather than sending us a two sentence horror story, she sent us two one sentence horror stories up in the game. Yeah. So here they are. Everyone has skeletons in their closets, but unfortunately, mine haven't decomposed yet. Whoa. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And then my wife and I always used to eat breakfast together, and I will keep it that way even if the smell of her rotting corpse is a bit unappetizing. It's good, right? <laughs> just making pancakes for yourself and there's a dead body at the yeah. table. That's a real sort of Norman Bates situation. Totally. Yeah. I didn't click on it and you guys could Google it at home. Um, apparently there's a guy who did a little bit of a Norman Bates situation in real life that came to light this week. I, I don't know any details, but it was like real life Norman Bates, blah, blah, blah. Well, so give that a goog. Yeah, I, I really won't. Know. Yeah. <laughs> But thank you. No problem. It's horrible. I, I don't understand. That's a level of... I, I don't... I wish I had more context. I literally saw it right before I came, so I don't know the details. I'm sure it's horrible. Yeah. Maybe someone but. just knew, wrote a new Norman Bates book. No, no. It was definitely <laughs> real. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, and there's a two cents horror story from mm-hmm. Eric who wrote it live in the chat as we're recording this yep. show. Another page filled. Greg wipes the tip of his quill on the edge of the vial. Glad to be one step closer to finishing his manuscript. With a frown, he looks down, making a mental note that he'll need to bleed another of his siblings to get enough to complete the last chapter. Eric, come on. This is like a dandy old serial killer who's writing a manuscript in blood. Oh, man. We're moving through eras here. The blood of his siblings. Yeah. Wonderful. Awesome. So there you have it. Two sentence horror stories. Yeah. (laughs) Out the wazoo. Sweet. Um, Yeah, that was two sentence horror stories Mm -hmm. and two sentence horror stories. Yep, a little wordplay. Yeah. Mm How about that? Nothing wrong with that. Still got it. Anyway. We got Bane impressions. We got wordplay. Exactly what you came to Guide to the Unknown for. Did you listen to this week's Guide to the Unknown? Not only was there quippy wordplay, there were some Bane impressions. (laughs) It was great. Yeah. Uh, All right. Topics. Yes. You go first. I go first. You go first. I go first. Mm -hmm. So, Kristen, uh, sometime in the last few episodes, maybe about a month ago, 
uh, we put a spotlight on the state of Texas because yeah. we found out that they represent a, an enormous chunk of our listener base. Yeah. Well, I've done some further research about who exactly it is that listens to this podcast. Is it just Bobby constantly? It's, <laughs> it's just Bobby over and over. Constant Bobby. Yeah. yeah. He's only lived in Texas for yeah. like less than a year, but he makes up like a third of our listens. Yeah. No, I, um, I don't, I'm going to say a few things that are immodest okay. about this show because I got to tell you, I think that it's been doing very, very well. It's been doing boffo numbers lately. It has. It's yeah. been shocking, but really nice to see yes. that uh, our numbers consistently go up every week, mm-hmm. every month. We've only been around since November 2017. Yeah. Thank you, guys. So I can look at our numbers, as you well know. And I don't know much about numbers. I'm not really uh, a marketing Guru, frankly, who knows how they work? We don't market this show at all. No. Um, and so I was looking through to see other states that like us, and I dialed back our stats. So I'm looking at everything. I yeah. was looking at full stats from the beginning of time, uh-huh. in essence. And I found out the state that has listened to us the least. I was about to say the least. Yes. Um, shockingly, <laughs> so we've been around. We've been around uh, for over a year. We've been around for. A year and two months. Yeah. Uh, the state of Alaska. Okay. People have listened to this show 17 times. Oh, wow. All right. Well, thank you, Alaska. <laughs> this is our 63rd episode. Yeah. They, uh, they don't like what they hear. <laughs> the numbers for Alaska for the beginning of time, 17. Now, yeah. that either means that 17 people have listened to us. Right. Or one person listened to 17 episodes mm-hmm. and was and like, that's said, enough. I've had enough of that. <laughs> yeah. I am moving on. And no other variation of numbers. Uh Uh-uh. There's no other way that could have played out. No in between. Mm Mm-mm. I know that. (laughs) So what I did was I came up with a a little smorgasbord, a little sample platter of horror stories from the great state of Alaska. Cool. Because this time I'm actually going to... pandering to them. We're trying to bring them in. Yes. We're going to pander to them as hard as we possibly can. Let's do fan service. I love the cold. Yes. And one week from today, we're going to see if that number goes up. Oh, my God. Right? That's a good experiment. Because now we'll be completely transparent. 17 Mm -hmm. listens of all time. We're going to see if this show changes that. We want you, Alaska. We want you, Alaska. I wonder if the Palin's been out there sullying our good name. I bet they have. That's probably what the problem is. Yeah, keeping an eye on Russia and on Will and Chrissy. Track is talking <laughs> crap about me left and right. Yeah, trap, trimp, shrimp, all of the Palin's. Scrimp. Scrimping on Guides of the Unknown. So I've got a lot of things that yeah. I'm going to talk to you about. I picked uh, essentially topics, um, things like uh, monsters, hauntings, and then I picked the best story that I found for that topic. We're going to cool. go through them, all right? Uh, to start things off, we've talked before about the Bridgewater Triangle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the Alaska Triangle. Oh, okay. In a category that I didn't know existed called a vile vortice. Have oh you my, heard of that? No. Uh-huh. What do you mean a category? Uh, the Bermuda Triangle, the Bridgewater Triangle, anything that is called the blah, blah, blah triangle yeah. is a vile vortice. I did not know that. That's awesome. And it means a specific area where there's a lot of sort of paranormal activity that yeah. happens. Amazing. Mm-hmm. I, love, I love it a lot. And I yeah. want to go into like what that is, but I feel like that's its own topic, yeah, essentially, because it looks like it gets into all kinds of other things like ley lines and electromagnetic whatever. Yeah. So I'm going to talk to you about the Alaska Triangle. Cool. Uh, and I got all this info from mysteriousuniverse.org. Oh, okay. That's a podcast. 
Oh, is that right? Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, so this awesome. is probably like their blog or like show notes or something. Sweet. Well, yeah. thank you for the research on this. Yeah. Uh, so that's it, a huge podcast. It's been around for like years and years. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Like when like people don't really know podcasts were a thing and there weren't that many of them. I listened to them on like my iPod or whatever. Oh, that's funny. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, then I'm cribbing from them. Yes. At least for this segment. That's okay. So it connects Barrow, Alaska, which is basically like the tippy top of the north, mm-hmm. straight down to Anchorage okay. on the southern, southern coast of Alaska. I definitely get it. And then it rockets over to, uh, uh, to Juneau, cool. Alaska. Now, I've looked at the map of Alaska and this triangle, mm-hmm. and it looks like it's almost <laughs> half the damn state oh, really? is in this triangle. This vile vortices has a monopoly on Alaska, it Without like. a doubt. Since 1988... 16,000 people have gone missing without a trace. What? Yeah. Evidently inside this triangular area of Alaska. What the hell is going on there? Oh, it gets even worse. That's insane. It gets that even is worse. That's a huge number. And evidently these are backed up with statistics because I also found out that Alaska is Maybe the- that's why I don't have any listeners. There's like barely anybody who lives in Alaska because they're all getting sucked into the vile vortices. Yeah. Everybody fires up their podcast app, subscribes to God to the Unknown. Whoa! Sucked into the void. Holy they're crap. Gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> without a trace. Uh, but I found out that Alaska is the- uh, the, the state that leads for the most uh, number of people who disappear. Oh, my God. And the the highest number of people who never are found. <laughs> so oh. it's not enough to go missing and then be discovered. You have to go missing and never be seen again. Alaska wins. Oh, my God. <laughs> Isn't that horrific? That is insane. Yeah. Now, there are another. And yet all those palins. I know. <laughs> Maybe there used to be more. <laughs> So evidently within that triangle, a lot of Alaska is like essentially undiscovered land. Uh It's tundra, it's forests, it's like uncharted, Yeah, um, which might explain why people go missing. It's a tricky area. Mm -hmm. Um, But another thing that I found out about Alaska is that there's a lot of uh, magnetic uh, disruption. Yeah. So much so that if you were holding a compass – it might be off by 30 degrees. Oh, wow. So you might not be walking in the direction oh, God, you think that's you're scary. walking in. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know what the deal is with that. Yeah. Again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bookmark that for the future totally. where we can talk about vile vortices and uh-huh. ley lines and all that kind of thing. Oh, my God. But yeah, that, that seems to be the deal. Uh, people apparently uh, have audio hallucinations. They think they hear things in there. Um, they hear what they think is a swarm of bees, most commonly. Oh, God. Is it because there's so much like wilderness and kind of crazy land, it creates weird like echo patterns? I have no idea. Oh but it seems like something just throws you off. People feel lightheaded. Yeah. Like it messes with your perception. Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, here's the most famous case. And what is this called again? It's the Alaska Triangle? The Alaska Triangle, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Uh, so this is the most famous case of somebody who went missing in the Alaska Triangle. I'm going to talk to you about Hale Boggs. Okay. Now, this is in, I believe, 1972. Uh, Hale Boggs was a, a politician. He was a Democratic uh, – he was the, the, the House Majority Leader mm-hmm. of the Democratic Party. He was in a plane with a few other people. And they were flying from Anchorage to Juneau, Alaska. Unfortunately, their plane never landed. They searched for this plane and for these gentlemen for 39 days. It involved uh, over 400 different aircrafts. Oh, my God. Dozens of boats. 
all exclusively searching for any sign of uh, the wreckage, these gentlemen, anything. Nothing was ever found, and they were eventually declared dead. What? Yeah. To this day, have they never found the plane or anything? No one knows what happened to uh, Hale Boggs. What the hell? That is true. It's a true story. Uh, there was even a conspiracy theory that J. Edgar Hoover, what? yeah, that J. Edgar Hoover, the head of the FBI, yeah, uh, uh, orchestrated this. Essentially, he and Hale Boggs uh-huh. had had several disagreements. Yeah, and so people think that old uh, J. Edgar Hoover disappeared the plane. Yeah, that is so nuts. Uh-huh. Yeah, no oh one my knows. God. No one knows what happened. How vexing in the. A vexing vortex, vortice. Vi- vexing vile vortices. Yeah, yeah. The, the VVV. Yeah. <laughs> um, but here's here's a little creature that might uh, bear some responsibility for incidents like this. Because now we're going to move on from the vile vortice to talking about a famous Alaskan monster. Kristen, it's time to talk about the Kushtaka. Kushtaka. Real quick, was that just a transition to the Kushtaka, or does the Kushtaka have something to do with that case? Uh, no, it's just okay, a transition. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I should maybe break this down even better. I'm going to talk to you no, about. No, that's totally fine. But ju- just because you're like this thing might have some bearing right. on it, I was like, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the end of one of Kushtaka the four things eat I've the got. Plane? Yeah, that was chapter one, the vile vortice. We're going to move on to chapter two, a famous Alaskan monster. Okay, we're then leaving we'll the vortices behind. Then we'll go to chapter three, an odd cemetery, and Ooh. we're going to round it out with chapter four, a frightening haunting. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, But that means that we're going to be talking about the Kushtaka for the next couple of minutes. This translates evidently literally to land otter man. Wow. Okay. Because the Kushtaka is a shape-shifting creature that can take on the appearance of a human or can shape-shift into an adorable little otter. It's not a bad skill set. Not at all. According to some versions of the story, uh, the Kushtaka can become any species of otter, uh-huh. of which I I don't know what different kinds of otters are. I don't really either. I, I know that kind of like in the bear community, like the gay men kind of bear community, right. like otters are a little bit of a subsect of that. Right. Yeah. Subset, yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah. Right. I, I think what they meant to say is that the Kushtaka can become an otter. Mm. It can become a bear. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can become any manner. He can really get in there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever he wants to do. So anyway, uh, uh, this creature is found in uh, Clinkett and Shimshian folklore. Okay. These are Native American tribes of the area. Uh, And uh, sometimes the Kushtaka are depicted as being quite kind. They'll take care of you. I mean, it's a nice sounding name, and otters are so cute. Mm -hmm. Kushtaka, you know, it sounds cozy kind of. Sure. But what? There are other times where they're depicted as being quite cruel. Oh, uh -oh. (laughs) uh-oh. Here are the times they're nice. That's no good. Okay. Yeah. The Kushtaka were said to save uh, Clinket sailors from freezing to death by distracting them with <laughs> – this is a quote. This is a quote from Wikipedia. They distract sailors who are in danger. They distract sailors with curiously otter-like illusions of their family and friends. That's really funny. Which means, as far as I can tell, one of two things. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm at sea. Right. All right. I'm in Alaska, I'm sailing around, and I find myself lost and in uh, about to die of hypothermia or something. I might see an illusion of you, but it's not really you. It's an otter with uh, like sort of like red hair 
and yeah. green glasses. It just kind of looks like you. like version of me. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know. Or it's literally otters that are doing their best to mimic my loved ones. Yeah, ah, right. Like holding hands with each other. I mean, that would be distracting. It would distract me. <laughs> but here's the thing. What they're distracting me from is what they're doing to me, which is transforming me into another uh, Kushtaka. Oh. Yeah. Because the way they're saving me from dying in the cold is oh. turning me into an otter so that I can withstand. Otters are eat, happy to be in the cold. Exactly. So they're going to transform me into a Kushtaka so that I'll survive the cold. But now I am an otter. That's an awesome story. And I guess like if your loved one is otter-like, once you become an otter, you're going to be more comfortable with it. Yeah. You're like, well, my loved one's here. Like... All yeah. right, it's not so bad. We're I will also now. say this kind of rings a little true to me. I think we've all seen the videos on YouTube of otters lying on their backs in the yes. water, holding hands with each other. I was going to make a joke about them holding your hand to get you away from yeah. the danger. It's an oddly human behavior. It is. Wouldn't you say? Mm -hmm. Perhaps those otters used to be people. Kushtaka. Kushtaka. A Kushtaka. A Kushtaka. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, the cruel things they do. They also like to trick sailors into dying. <laughs> this is the exact opposite, Whoa, I yeah. would argue. Um, but I, I had a thought here. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people are saying like, well, but like sometimes the Kushtaka is supposed to be good. Sometimes the Kushtaka is supposed to be evil. Who knows? But right. my thing is like, well. Depends on the Kushtaka. Yes. Same as people. Yes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people do good and bad things. Don't generalize yeah. all the Kushtaka. Yeah. Maybe they have a more complex set of uh, uh, uh Emotions, yes. morals, things I'm going like to help that. this guy, yeah. and I'm going to kill that guy. Right. I'm going to turn you into a kushtaka like me, or I'm going to lure you I'll out lead here. Lead you to dying. Yes. Yeah. They exactly. have their reasons. I've got, I've, I could explain, yeah. but I don't have to. I'm a kushtaka. <laughs> don't try to make me. Yeah. Some say the kushtaka are known to imitate the cries of babies or the screams of women Ugh. to lure victims into a river. Oh, God. Where the Kushtaka can then transform them into a fellow otter person. So now it's a punishment. That's rough. That's rough. First of all, you're plunging into the river to save what you think is yeah, like a I was woman trying to be or good. a baby. You're yeah. trying to do a good thing, but also you're probably horrified and scared because like a raging river is very dangerous. Uh -huh. So you're doing your good deed gets rewarded by you turning into an otter person. Although I guess if somehow you still didn't know the jig was up, let's say you didn't know that the baby crying was fake or whatever, right. or the woman, you could still think that you're on your mission to save them. But now you have these, this better resource. Now Ooh. you're an otter. I'm able to you're, swim a lot you're better. better. You're better able to reach your objective. So hold on. I'm going to get you. Just hold tight. Just hold tight. <laughs> Eating a clam. <laughs> until you figure it out, until you have the grand scope of things, things can feel pretty good for a minute. I hope people who are exclusively listening yeah. got a mental image <laughs> of a person diving into the water, struggling against the tide, yeah. and then all of us, whoa, bit by bit, they anamorph into a little otter, and they have a whale of a time. Yeah. They're like, oh, there's no baby to save. Woohoo! This is my life now. I'm going to swim up a waterfall. <laughs> so they'll either transform you into a Kushtaka when they lure you into the river or, you know, they'll just uh, kill the person and tear them to shreds. God. 
bet ours have sharp teeth. Oh, yeah, I think they do. I really think they clams. Don't they crack open shells and stuff? Oh, I don't know. Maybe. They could crack Maybe. open your skull in no time. I bet. I feel like they're one of those animals that seem so sweet and everything, and I'm sure that they are, but they have the capability. Oh, yeah. yeah they're yeah, strong. Yeah. yeah. They're just as evolved as we are. <laughs> They've withstood they millions of hands. years of they, evolution. They partner up. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They've got rich emotional lives, and they, they're here to kill you. And they partner up for some tag team slaughter. Right. <laughs> slaughter by an otter. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that was good. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, it said the Kushtaka mainly prey on small children. Oh, my God. Which has led some to believe that parents... That they're not as sweet as they seem. <laughs> that parents just tell this the, the legend of the Kushtaka to their children to keep them from walking too close to the river or too close to the ocean when they're, not, when they're alone. That's amazing. Isn't that great? It's some people's witchy mambo. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Witchy mambo being a scary story that Will's friend told their kid to keep them or make them be good in the car or something like that. Yeah. 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 You better be good. We're on a road trip. Yeah. You're being so loud. Maybe I should just pull over. Let witchy mambo get you. Yeah. Witchy mambo picks up children from the side of the road. It's so funny. Oh, it's so great. Same family as the, uh, yeah. the, the yellow ladies mm -hmm. we talked about on the uh, Christmas episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, weaknesses for the Kushtaka, copper, dogs, also a cute weakness. Yeah. It's like, cheese it, there's a dog. <laughs> um, fire, urine. Oh. Yeah. Okay, so it's like getting a jellyfish sting or whatever. I guess so, yeah. Uh, and that's a famous monster. Cool. Of Alaska, the Kushtaka. Cool. I've never us, heard of that before. I know, isn't it cool? Yeah. I also like, because these are all, I'm essentially what I'm doing is like four mini monster madnesses. Fantastic. But they're all about a location. Yeah. You know, so I feel like that gives them all a little bit of flavor. Absolutely. So now we're going to talk about chapter three. Mm -hmm. An odd cemetery. Otter cemetery? Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about the Eklutna Spirit Houses. Okay. Now, uh, the next two chapters I'm going to tell you about are, are fairly complicated, so I'm going to be dumbing them down a lot. Please, I need it. Uh, so there's a very old community in Alaska. It goes back 800 years to when a Native American tribe uh, seems to have founded that area. But also, there are a lot of old Russian settlements across Alaska. Um and so in this one area, uh, the two cultures sort of collided, uh -huh. and over the course of years, their customs changed. So this is now uh, believed to be uh, the custom of uh, an old Native American uh, uh, settlement meeting with a Russian uh, settlement coming in. All right, cool. All right? So here's what the people in this village do when people die. Okay. When their loved ones die... In this uh, uh, this little community, mm -hmm. real quick, is this still a thing that they do? Whatever you're about to say, I don't think. It, I don't think back. it's. I mean, the photo that I saw of it looked pretty in good condition. Okay, so I'm not sure. Okay, everything that I read was about past tense. Okay, so I'm not sure about that. Gotcha. But still, when people die, they're buried, and then a blanket is put over their grave mm -hmm. to keep the soul warm. Yeah, as it travels to the next life. Forty days later. A spirit box is placed over the blanket. Now, a spirit box, Kristen, yeah. is a coffin-sized dollhouse. Oh. Essentially. Uh, the family paints the spirit box uh -huh. uh, with families that are uh, central to their family lineage. Almost yeah. like, you know, like you have your 
family crest yeah. or something like that, you would have your family colors. Mm-hmm. So you paint the spirit box your family colors. Yeah. Uh, and so the photograph that I saw of this was very vibrant looking, essentially like little, you know, a coffin that's a dollhouse just looks like little houses, basically. So they look like little actual houses? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And so what what I saw made it look to me like um, uh, a v- it looked like the the Munchkin Village yeah. in Wizard of Oz. Why houses? I don't know. And I'm confused. This is going on top of the body with the blanket on top of it. Well, the body is buried. Okay. Think, think like traditional burial. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But then this is put on the grass above them. Okay. So if you drive past, this is making more sense. I didn't realize that the body was buried. Then yeah. has the blanket on top of it. Yes. I thought there's a blanket on the body, and then they're putting these houses on a body. No, no, I was no, confused. No. That seemed hard to navigate. Yeah, well, it's an odd thing to even try to describe. Gotcha. So, uh, yeah, this the, makes more sense. The the houses are on the grass. Okay. So essentially, if you were to drive past, yeah. it would look to you like a model village. This that's amazing. Uh huh. Now, uh, the even more amazing part, I think, uh-huh. is that it is customary if you take something from nature yeah. to let it eventually return to nature. Uh-huh. So as soon as these spirit boxes are assembled and placed on the grave yeah. and painted, they are left alone. Yeah. You do not touch them again. They are going to uh, essentially deteriorate, fall apart, and eventually be reabsorbed into the ground over the course of decades. That's amazing. So are they specifically made with like biodegradable materials and stuff like that? I don't think so. Okay. No. So those graveyards must look like not great after a while. You know what I mean? mean? Like I'm sure some look nice and everything, but like there's like a section where that all happened 10 years ago. Is it just like a bunch of like broke down houses on these graves? I, I mean, the photograph that I saw of it, uh, made everything look very new and very vibrant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, awesome. But yeah, if you watch the video version of this show, yeah. you'll be able to see it now. Or uh, just look this up. Uh, look up Spirit Houses Alaska, and I'm sure that you will find them. Um, it's almost trippy to look at because you almost feel like the perspective must just be off a little bit. Right. Like these must be full size. Right. It's just using like trick photography or something like that. But no, these are like essentially coffin shaped because they're like six yeah. feet long whatever yeah uh but no they're like little doll houses that's awesome yeah no wild it's almost like little they're they're not housing the bodies but almost like little mausoleums or something like yeah. on top that are they look like they're made of wood and they're like brightly colored yeah but i don't think you'd even be able to crawl into them no you know i don't I mean? think so no that's yeah. awesome you know what it reminds me of i bet it has some sort of tie to this kind of stuff or it's just that it makes sense so when i did my death doula training we talked about um um, like legacy work for a family to do. It can be either done with the person who's dying or it can be done after the person has died. And it's kind of a way for families to come together and sort of like acknowledge their death and work through it a little bit and not just be burying it, so to speak, but like not just like be ignoring it or whatever. Yeah. So you might, I mean, people do all different kinds of things. Like some people make kind of like boxes that are like, um, that have items from the person and whatever this I imagine that this kind of project serves a similar purpose because you're like honoring your family. If you're painting with the family colors, you're probably doing it with your family in acknowledgement of the person who died. So you're not ignoring it. Right. Like you're probably kind of talking about them maybe while it's going on everything. And that can be very like kind of therapeutic. Yeah. So that's really interesting. I love that. Well, plus like the, the, the bright colors of it, Mm -hmm. you know, like it, it implies some sort of, it feels lively. Well, totally. When you said like colors of a family crest, I was thinking of like, 
I don't know, like any family crests I've seen are like dark green and like burgundy and not uh, very like lively or anything and, like that. Right. You know, it's like a it'll be like a dark wooden um what do you call that? I don't know, that like board thing that a crest yeah. will be on and just looks very like dark and bleh. That was like very colorful and cheerful. Yeah, it was almost all primary colors yeah. essentially. I love that. Yeah, really interesting. Really strange. Oh man. Um yeah. So there you go. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, Alaska, you're killing it. Come join us. I know. What are you I doing? I like you guys a lot. Where have you been all my life? Yeah. Um, and so this takes us to chapter four, uh-huh. the final chapter. We're going to talk about a final famous countdown. Alaska haunting. Cool. All right. This is about the Kennecott Copper Mines. Ooh, wow, that's a mouthful. Oh, yeah. And like I said, everything is complicated yeah. from here to the end. So I'm really doing a lot of okay. simplifying as much as I possibly can. Great. Uh, there's a giant, crazy expensive mine mm-hmm. in Alaska. Uh, it was a copper mine, and it generated thousands of jobs, tons of money. Uh, but as you might expect, with a mining community, uh, lot of death toll, yeah. right? From construction workers that were actually like building the railroads used to truck the copper down to the town and sell it and stuff. And from the miners that are actually working to chip away ore mm-hmm. and yeah. stuff like that. Uh, so a lot of people passed away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is in like 1907, something like that. Yeah. Uh, so it's like sort of deep old history. Mm-hmm. Now, to truck this stuff around, they built the Copper River and Northwestern Railway, which was then called the CR and NW. Okay. Copper River and Northwestern Railway. Now, uh, the people who worked there, the local workers, uh, came up with another name for it, the CRNW. They called it the Can't Run and Never Will. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's awesome. Essentially meaning there's no getting away. Right. Because even if you even even if you could run away, you wouldn't. Yeah. Because you're getting paid. Yeah. You have to be here. Right. You're stuck. Golden handcuffs. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Or whatever they mine down there, handcuffs. <laughs> or handcuffs. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or regular old handcuffs. <laughs> yeah. So the railway bridged canyons and it clung to to rock faces and it even spanned across a glacier mm-hmm. and when the glacier would move they'd have to take apart that segment of rail and rebuild it oh man so it was insanely treacherous the mine was incredibly successful like i said thousands of jobs it was essentially booming mm-hmm. um they even like uh, a nearby town became essentially a place for uh, all of these workers to to like have fun and blow off steam. There was like a burgeoning red light district there and stuff. So it sounds really sort of like chaotic and big and okay. This all leads to collapse. Uh Eventually the market declines, whole thing falls apart. And essentially almost overnight, the mines and the neighboring towns become ghost towns. Oh man. Like Bane was trying to do to Gotham. Kristen, exactly. Like Bane was trying to do to Gotham. You're speaking my language. (laughs) Go ahead. So now we're going to fast forward to the 1990s. Okay. All right. The state of Alaska is a government job they're doing. They want to develop government housing along the trails of the old CRNW. The old can't run and never will. Yeah. During construction, workers claim they hear disembodied voices of both children and adults along the old copper road. Which made it impossible to work. <laughs> God. They also said they see tombstones as they're heading 
up towards the mountain, but when they come back, those tombstones are no longer there. How is that possible? Essentially, like all these tombstones just off the beaten path. It's not terribly encouraging. No. Perhaps these are the tombstones of all those workers who died back at the beginning of the 1900s? Perhaps. Down on the copper line. It's... (laughs) (laughs) Just like James Taylor warned us. Down on copper line. (laughs) More niche Rogers family humor. (laughs) It's true. Before we uh, started recording the episode proper, we were joking about our Uncle Ray to the people in the live chat. So, (laughs) People love our (laughs) impenetrable references. Correct. Anyway, uh, all this ghosty business and tombstones scared everyone away. The project was canceled. Oh, my God. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's nuts. Like, that's the reason for the project being canceled? Yes. Ghosts too intense. Project canceled. Yes. What is going on in Alaska? We can't hold on to our workers. They all ran away terrified. Shut it down. A government project. Missing plane. Mm -hmm. Shut down government project. Reason, ghosts. Yeah. Alaska is very scary. Yes, it absolutely is. The Kennecott copper mines holy shut crap. down to the ghosts now i do want to posit a theory i'm sure it's lovely too alaskans sure. yeah, yeah yeah but man um i want to also posit a, a little bit of a theory here. yeah so we've got this old mine that had a ton of stuff in it mm-hmm. that you might want valuable yeah. stuff yeah that's been shut down for damn near a hundred years mm-hmm. and now these fancy government people want to Ritz the place up. Well, maybe <laughs> Do all. Do people in Alaska talk like this? Definitely. <laughs> maybe I'll dress up like a ghost and scare them away so I can keep all that delicious gold for Scooby myself. Scooby-Doo it. Scooby-Doo. Maybe they're Scooby-Dooing it. Right? I can't fault them for it. Right? Keep your gold. Right? Yeah, maybe. It kept them away. It worked. I mean, but... I don't know. Wouldn't it be hard for them to then go in and mine unnoticed? Like maybe this they've seems been like sh- a big deal. If like the government was like right. all about this, yeah. I don't know. Wouldn't they notice if then the locals are like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like wearing diamond earrings, yeah. eating bowls of diamonds, looking for breakfast. both ways, then running into the mine. <laughs> like, I feel like they're gonna clock it. No, I think they got away with it. I think the townsfolk up there found another pocket of of. Copper, I'm definitely saying gold from here on out. Fine by me. Gold and diamonds. Yeah. They found something that the miners back then did not find. Everybody Uh believes that land is tapped. It's no good. Is this just a good story that you've concocted, or is this based on anything that you came across? Well, it's true if you believe it. (laughs) Okay, just just being sure. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) I can't put it any clearer than that. (laughs) So I think that they... Maybe found another thing, uh-huh. uh huh. But there are just a few people working on it. They don't have thousands of people chipping away at this. Yeah. So they essentially go in there and they tip tap tap away until they get a little more diamond and gold stuff for themselves. Yeah. They sell that stuff online. Now here come these government people. Oh my gosh! If they find out about the diamond mine that I found, right? This whole operation's donezo. Ghost costume. They set out tombstones. The people go to work past the tombstones, get a little chill. They take the tombstones away. So when they come back, it looks like the tombstones teleported. Clean, easy. Diamonds William, are forever. <laughs> they are. Like, 
what what is the government official reason for shutting down this project? I mean, did they write like spooky ghosts? <laughs> They probably just were like, we don't have enough workers. Or whatever, I would assume, right? yeah, they probably yeah. ended up saying something like that. Yeah. yeah. But read between the lines. <laughs> this is wild. Yeah. I had no idea. There you have it. Four. Man, so a bunch of rich secret Alaskans uh-huh. over there. Yes. Pulling off a Scooby Doo scheme. Yep. Licking their picks like Yukon Cornelius. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Except they got something. They got, ooh, something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a very wealthy secret town. Yeah. Uh, there's like a bunch this. of people who went missing. A bunch of people got turned into sea otters. Uh-huh. And what was the fourth thing? Um, the, oh, the plane. The, no, that was the first. What? Oh, well, but, I, but if we're going, were you going through chronologically? I don't think so. No, I don't know what I was doing <laughs> anymore. Uh, but yeah, there you have it. Four. The, the vile vortices. Terrifying stories. That's From the state awesome. that hates us the most, Alaska. Yeah. Man, yeah. well, maybe our our subject matter is a little bit too close to home because it sounds like Alaska is freaky deaky. Oh yeah, so maybe they're not trying to like have their recreational time be about the the frights and scares that they have to deal with in everyday life. Well, we'll find out. Since the beginning of we'll time, we have We're seventeen listens them. in the state of Alaska. Next week, I'm going to tell you how many listens. We've gotten yeah, off very of this episode. Curious. Yeah. I mean, just by virtue of the fact that it'll say Alaska in the title, I think is gonna, you know It's br- gonna have to do something. It's gonna do something. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, I'm gonna call this episode Alaskan Scare Lines. <laughs> Alaska Scare Lines. <laughs> now that's good. <laughs> I won't call it that. Yeah. All right. Give us some in general so it can show up in searches. Scary Alaska stuff. Uh Alaska ghost stories. They're not all ghosts. But you have to keep it searchable. Oh, this <laughs> fancy mumbo jumbo. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that could work. But, you know, people are more likely to search for, like, haunted Alaska, Alaska ghost stories, and scary Alaska stories. They, uh, they might. They might. Yeah. Yeah. I still think ghost stories is probably better. All right, fine. Good. Whatever. <laughs> but let's see. We're trying to pull them in. Yeah, all right. That's true. All right, so we got to game it as I'm much saying. as possible. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm not just Alaska, Alaskan go- Al- ghosts of Alaska. Alaskan ghost stories. But Alaskan versus Alaska. Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. Okay, we'll think of it. I, I don't know if the N matters. I think sometimes it, the SEO can go both ways. Yeah, that SEO is... <laughs> Search sh- engine optimization. Sure know what that is. <laughs> Search engine optimization. <laughs> I know what it is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's gaming the, the Google. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, William, we traveled to Alaska. That we did. We had a great time. Let's come back home to the Northeast. Yeah. All you right? know what? I've missed home. Me too. Let's settle in, get cozy. Yeah. In the Lizzie Borden house in Massachusetts. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know much about the Lizzie Borden bed and breakfast? Do I? <laughs> no. Blink, blink. Okay. <laughs> Not much. Well, I'm going to give it to you. I know the. <laughs> that was real good. I do know the part of the limerick. Oh, yeah. Uh huh. Right? Yep. Uh, I know. I it's like Lizzie Borden took an axe, gave her father forty wax, something something forty one something another one. I'm not sure. Yeah, something like that. I thought it also involved snacks, but maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> That's just me. That's just me. Well, I'm not going to talk about the actual Lizzie Borden case of what happened. I'm going to oh. do a quick sum up just so that people know. Yeah, but. That's for a true crime podcast somewhere. Okay. And it's it's been covered a lot. You can find it. But I will still give you a quick recap. I, but my topic is specifically 
the Lizzie Borden house, the place where this all happened, is a bed and breakfast now where you can stay. And I'm just going to talk about the experience of that and how that came to be and stuff because that's a really cool, weird thing and involves another cool little website. And you know how I love those. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So... In 2004, Donald Woods and Leanne Wilbur bought the home that Lizzie Borden and her family lived in okay. in Massachusetts. Um, and it seems like Ryan Woods, who I think is maybe Donald's son, seems to be taking over a little bit more now based on um, some more recent articles that I saw. Now, William, I'm going to pepper my talk with quotes from our friend Sarah Kasanek, oh. who stayed there like 15 years ago or something with her family, who are also friends of ours, Tommy Katie, yeah. Mary. Maybe maybe parents or aunts and uncles there as well, too. I'm not sure. This mainly involves... <laughs> I thought you were going to double down and be like, well, not Tommy. Yeah. <laughs> no, Tommy figures <laughs> rather prominently in this story. All right, good. Okay. Um, so I have in my notes, just so you guys can kind of get a feel for how I'm going to do this. William, you can see. Um, it's written very oh it's written like a book yeah exactly so then i'm gonna tell you a little something and then there's like an italicized quote from sarah where sarah's gonna chime in that's great okay so i just told you that about the history of the house and here is sarah's um experience of the people who own the house sarah said i don't know if the guy was an owner or just like a manager or something but he was an older ish guy and he seemed super into the case slash house like we hit a lot of traffic on the drive there and we we're going to be late checking in and he was like really bummed that we had missed the group tour of the house mm. so somebody who's very invested in this whole thing doesn't, yeah, it doesn't not, seem like they just kind of like whatever it's here's like, your it's key like a cash grab they're like really passionate about it you should have been on the tour you would have really enjoyed it yeah yeah like they like loved it right um so I'm going to do a lot of reading from the website for the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast and Museum. Um, The website is lizzie-borden.com in case any of you guys want to check it out. And it reminds me a lot of the Enfield home in England from episode 32 about the black monk of Pontefract where you can like stay overnight there and do tours and stuff. And they had like a really kind of crazy website with lots of ghost stories. And again, seemed like they were just super into it and it was really detailed. And you could tell they like loved what they were doing. And at the same time, it's like a little outdated in a way that's super charming. Yeah. So, um, like on lizzieborden.com they're just funny little things like the words on a page will like flip like there's like effects huh. on them and stuff there's an axe in the upper left hand corner with the handle broken off of it which is something that was found in the borden house and it has like the little registered trademark thing on it but it's just like the top of an axe <laughs> which i find <laughs> kind of funny and charming <laughs> that's funny so now i will tell you I about do miss the old internet it's great i love stumbling across stuff like this yeah um, so I'm going to tell you now what Lizzie Borden's deal is if you don't know. So like I said, I'm not going to go in depth into the case and everything, but just to give you context for why anybody would even be interested in the Lizzie Borden house and like what happened there. So this is from the website. So the people who run the house wrote this and I really like it. It shouldn't have happened here in this austere raw bone structure on second street. Implausible that it occurred in broad daylight at one of the busiest uh, at one of the busiest times with horses, buggies, and street traffic only mere feet from the front door with the number ninety two tacked to its column, and yet it did. Yes, <laughs> I just I was just thinking of a couple of things. One of which is like being like, ah man, I'm sorry, boss. I was late. There was this buggy. I was stuck behind this buggy the whole way here, and it was. <laughs> Uh, the horse only That's had traffic. The horse only yeah. had three feet, so it was just it was taking forever. 
<laughs> That's their version of street traffic. They're like, oh man, this buggy. Oh, you better move. <laughs> hey, move it a little bit. Move it a little Buster. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? You're taking up the whole road. <laughs> That's my horse. It's a pretty good horse. And if this were um, on TV or a movie, and a lowbrow one, I'll admit, a horse can't give the finger, so it would fart, and its tail would, like, fly up. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't it? Yeah, you're right. Yep. Um, so this happened amid lots of horse traffic. Um, Andrew and Abby Borden, both in their golden years by that era's reckoning, were mercilessly hacked to death with a hatchet. Abby as she cleaned the upstairs guest room and Andrew as he lay napping on the sitting room couch downstairs. Not a sound had been heard by the myriad pedestrians outside, but the house, now stained with blood, had witnessed it all. Andrew Borden bought the house in 1847 and immediately had it remodeled from a two-tenant dwelling into a place his small family could call home. He chose the house due to his pragmatic location, a short walking distance to his businesses on Main Street, one block over. It sat amid other businesses, horse stables, stores, a laundry, and a makeshift restaurant. Andrew's wife kept house and took pride in it, while his two daughters, Emma and Lizzie, looked about at, at the heavily floral... Co- uh, wait a second. Uh, while his two daughters, Emma and Lizzie looked about at the heavily floral-covered walls as a prison. A young Irish maid, Bridget Sullivan, was the only other inhabitant. There were no hallways in the house, with the exception of an upstairs landing. One had to go through one room to get to another. As a result, locks abounded, locks that would play an invaluable role in the murder mystery that would captivate the world after that fateful morning of August 4th, 1892. Today, the house is just as it was. The furnishings retain their rightful place, the decor has been painstakingly duplicated, and the original hardware and doors are still intact. Artifacts from the murder case are displayed while memorabilia from the era line shelves and mantletops. A visitor is literally transported back to that morning when a perfect storm of events culminated in a double murder. Maplecroft, Lizzie's mansion on the hill that she bought with her inheritance after she was acquitted of the murders, is only a few minutes' drive away. But that is another story. I don't think I realized that she was acquitted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. So there's a lot of you know speculation about who did it and everything. Um, some people think that um, a relative who had stayed over may have done it. Some people think that there were like shady um, business dealings that Andrew was kind of dealing with and they may have broken in and done it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she was acquitted. Wow. And so she lived out the rest of her years at Maplecroft, that mansion, and her sister Emma lived with her there until they had a falling out and Emma moved out. And definitely seemed to be more that Emma was mad at Lizzie and moved out. It wasn't like they just kind of had, you know, just an argument. It was mutual or whatever. Right. But even though it was that she was mad at Lizzie, so you might think to yourself, well, maybe she's mad because Lizzie, Lizzie finally confessed or something. Emma was specific to say to people, like, nope, I still think she's innocent. That's not what this is about. But, yeah, we are not cool anymore. Wow. And then Lizzie lived there until she died in her, like, 40s or something like that, which was kind of old for the time. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, appropriate for the time, yeah. basically. That's crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. So that is the story. Basically, these two people died. While there are people in the house, so that roused a lot of suspicion because they were like, how were Lizzie and Bridget at home and they didn't hear anything? Yeah. So it, it was just like a confusing kind of case, which is probably part of why it became such a big deal because it's a real kind of like locked mystery or locked door mystery 
in some ways. And also at the time, women like did not commit these crimes. When I was doing research for this, they didn't even know what to do with her, basically. Like they didn't have a jail that was that hardcore for women. So they didn't even know where to put her, like, you know, if she were to go to jail. Yeah. So it was a huge deal. Huh. And um it's a definitely a legendary crime. So they have this bed and breakfast. Um, and they have people stay in the rooms where things happened. And I'm going to read you the description of those rooms because it kind of like also sheds a little bit of light on the story. So there is the Lizzie and Emma suite. This is a two room suite on the second floor, which includes Lizzie and Emma Borden's rooms. While Lizzie and Emma resided in the house, these were the rooms where they stayed. Um, each room has a queen bed. The suites share a bathroom with the John V. Morse, Abby Borden murder room. So John V. Morse was their uncle, who's like the relative who's over, who some people think could be the killer, basically. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, all these rooms are like very connected. It sounded like you were going to say they share a bathroom with a John. <laughs> they had modern amenities such as a John. <laughs> I haven't heard a toilet called that in a long time. That's really funny. <laughs> Where's the John? You don't hear that a lot. Where's no. the John? I got to hit the head. <laughs> Do people say that anymore? They have so. many modern amenities, such as <laughs> Funny thing to say on tour, too. Like it sounds like it's going to be so highbrow and intelligent. They're like, oh, they, they also had a John. <laughs> yeah, Lizzie had a, her own John. Yeah. <laughs> she had to share a John with her sister. Her sister, Emma. Uh. Sorry. Uh, Sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm apologizing not only to you. I'm apologizing to everyone. It's so I don't think they're used to her. I know. It's, just, it's literally toilet humor. It's literally laughing at a I word know. for a toilet. It's, I know. It's laughing at a word for toilet. I made a joke about a horse farting and its tail lifting up earlier. This oh, is no. not great. I hope Alaskans <laughs> love this kind of thing. <laughs> Are Alaskans famous for their love of crude humor? I don't know, but from now on to the end of time, oh, God, I'm going to judge how this show is doing based on whether or not Alaska likes us. If Alaska likes this blue humor, guess what? The show's going to make a huge change. Or is it? Because I feel like this is probably peppered throughout anyway. So true, yeah. It's just that they need to be introduced to it, and then they'll be hooked. Yeah. Let's see what else we can get in here. <laughs> All right. Now we move on to Andrew and Abby's suite, where I'm sure they farted constantly, Alaska. Oh, my God. Okay. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Okay. <sighs> Woo. The Andrew and Abby suite. This is a number two room suite on the second floor. Stop it. Is that, did, did it for some reason say that? What does that mean? No, I was making a poop joke. I know, but I, I was trying to think of it, and it doesn't have double meaning. It has one meaning. No, it's a two-room suite. I said a number two-room suite. Oh, okay. Get it? Oh, my God. <laughs> On the second floor. Jeez. On floor number two. <laughs> All right. Uh, which was Andrew and Abby Borden's bedroom, and what was back in the 80s. <laughs> I'm just still laughing at it. Sorry. Oh, God, this is so dumb. Okay, anyway. This is a two-room suite on the second floor, which was Andrew and Abby Borden's bedroom or what was, back in the 1890s, Abby Borden's sewing room. The sewing room is now a bedroom in this suite. 
Each room has a queen bed, and this is the only suite with its private john. <laughs> private bathroom. Okay, anyway. Now we move on to the John V. Morse room. This is the room where Abby Borden was found murdered the morning of August 9th, 1892 on the second floor. It was the room the uncle of Lizzie and Emma Borden had slept in the night before. Abby Borden was making up the bedroom after John Morse's unexpected overnight stay when she was brutally murdered. The room has a queen-size bed and shares a bathroom with the Lizzie and Emma suite. Um, and you can also, which I think is really cool, you can rent the entire house or you can rent either of the floors for yourselves. They're just like very accommodating. Yeah. They float the idea of it being like a family reunion spot or some sort of like wedding uh, venue or anything. It's kind of awesome. Um, so now let me go. Well, in that way, it's also a little bit like the, um, <clears throat> we talked about this like with the Watcher house, mm-hmm. right? The idea of someplace with a dark history also being a, a huge, uh, I don't know, way to make money yeah totally you know yeah um yeah having said that i don't know if i'd want to stay there and be sharing a bathroom with some other you know what i mean like well it depends on who you're you're staying with for sure yeah i would not be happy if i was just staying in a room by myself and there's somebody else who's in the adjoining room who i have to share the john with yeah no thank you right um and we will meet somebody later in my story who isn't one of the beckers who had to do just that briefly we're going to have a correspondent from countryliving.com, William, which surprisingly had a Lizzie Borden article that I really enjoyed. Okay. Italics from Sarah. The staff dressed in period clothes. Oh. Um, the house looks really ominous and awesome from the outside. It's like very dark green, kind of gray looking. So like even just visually, you look at this house from the outside and you're like, that's a freaky looking house. So this is what to expect if you're going to stay there. From Sarah. I remember there were a fair amount of crime scene pictures around, and they were somewhat graphic. Like on the wall above the couch where the dad was found was a picture of his dead body slumped over. Not the same exact couch, obviously, but it was still creepy. And I had a huge zit on my lip, and Tommy was taking pictures of everything, and then I reviewed the pictures, and he had purposely zoomed in on my effing zit in all of them. That's great. <laughs> Unedited. Real feel for the stay at the Borden house. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So they're not kidding when they say that everything is painstakingly duplicated. There are articles online kind of like highlighting upholsterers who were hired to like reupholster couches to make them look the way that couches did when they were living there. Like they wow. really tried to make everything look the way that it looked um, when the Bordens were living there. That's cool. It's really cool. And also, like Sarah said, there are crime scene photos placed in the areas where they were killed. So, like, there's a reproduction or whatever you call it of the couch that the dad was killed on. And right above that couch is a picture, an actual crime scene photo in black and white that's, like, graphic and scary of the dad bludgeoned on the couch that looks exactly like this couch. And then upstairs where Abby Borden was killed, like, when you, you know, like, walk into the room. I saw two different pictures of it. It seems like they may... I mean, understandably, it's not a big deal, but switch where they have the crime scene photo. So, like, when you walk into the room where she was killed, there's a bed in the middle of the room, and then there is a dresser on the left-hand side of the room, and then she was killed in the middle of them. Um, I've seen pictures where either the crime scene photo of her is either on that dresser or on the wall. So if you walked in, you'd be just looking straight at that. If you just look a little bit down, you're like, oh, this is where that happened. Right. Which is crazy. So how do you feel about that? I don't know. I mean, because the people who... So my knee jerk was like, wow, this is really campy. And like me, it's like a little disrespectful and stuff. 
reading about the people who run the house, and I even saw a couple of like video interviews with, um, if not the people who ran, ran the house, tour guides of the house, they seem like very just genuinely into it and respectful. So like, while it's definitely like close, like you could be like, yeah, that's like, it's definitely kind of garish and things like that. You could also get it as just being very like, I don't know, like if it's, if it's something that you want to like share this story and stuff anyway, and you literally have access to the space where it happened, it does kind of make sense. It's a reference that's right there. If you're doing a tour about the Borden murders and you're yeah. talking about it, you're telling the story anyway. Like, it makes sense to be like, yeah, that's what happened there. Right. And I you guess there's I mean? not a chance that you're going to accidentally book this particular B&B. No, no, no. And be like, it's, what happened here? Yeah. You're there because right. you're intrigued by this. So totally. maybe their clientele is not like – shut off with the idea of like seeing crime scene photos. No. I don't know. I mean, it, it's somewhere between a museum yeah. and like a, well, it is a museum. They do tours and things like that. Like there's, you know, check in time is four and check out time is at 11 between 11 and three. They do just tours and museum stuff. And like, um, people from schools come in to like learn about it and study stuff of that time. Like right. it's a museum at the same time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a strange idea still. Well, it's definitely a strange idea still, and I also think that probably, like, the potential grossness as far as, like, exploitiveness or just being like, oh, this is so weird and crazy is a little bit in the eye of the holder because I'm sure that there are some people who come in and they're just like, wow, this is overwhelming and crazy yeah. but also really interesting. And then I'm sure that there are some people who, like, come in and they, like, get down on the floor where Abby Borden was killed and they go, like, Ugh, and, like, <laughs> pretend that they're being, like, axed or whatever. Yeah. So, like, it kind of depends, you know? Man, that's weird, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that happens, right? I'm sure. You're absolutely right. Yeah. That definitely happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's definitely something that I'll kind of end with. If that's ghosts bit, are real. Yeah. That's like, this is so disrespectful. Like, I die. When was this? When did they die? Um, in the 1800s. I've been dead and in the ground. Yeah. Uh, for barely even 200 years. Right. And you're mocking my death. You're making fun of it. Yeah. And pointing that strange box at them while they do it. What is that <laughs> rectangular artifact you're holding anyway? It creates their own light. Why, perhaps you're liable not even to see what they're doing with that little box in front of your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> there is something they do at the B&B that I'll end with that would that leans more heavily on the campy, like, ooh, this is kooky side, but okay. I'll, I'll get there. If I opened my own scary B&B instead yeah. of a bed and breakfast, it would be a dead and black fist. <laughs> I like that. Thank Dead and breakfast. <laughs> so Sarah had her a D and B. Sarah had her own experience, but so did Lindsay Matthews of CountryLiving.com. <laughs> so she spent the night um, in the Lizzie Borden house with her sister, who's super into horror stuff, and she kind of just went along for an article or whatever. And she said that in the parlor there were several vintage um, like Ouija boards on display that the tour guide cautioned them they probably shouldn't use, like right. tongue and cheeky. And I remembered Sarah telling me about, and I was mistaken. I thought that she had said that in each room there was a TV with VHS tapes with specials about like the Lizzie Borden murders and everything on them. And I was close, but no cigar. She said um, that they had a bunch of VHS tapes in the TV in the living room that you could pop in and watch various specials from like the bio biography channel and stuff. Okay. 
All right, so here are things. Um, so if you look online, there are all kinds of like ghostly encounters that you can see. But here are Sarah's and our friend Lindsay Matthews of ghostsitecountryliving.com. <laughs> Sarah said, I'm pretty sure we stayed in the parents' bedroom, and my sister just reminded me that we heard what sounded like furniture being moved around in the uh, – Furniture being moved around in the room above us, but no one was staying in that room. I remember being super sketched out and not wanting to go to sleep, and I also didn't want to be awake by myself, so I kept slapping Tommy when he fell asleep. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> she makes her own luck. Uh, yeah. Um, so <laughs> now let's check in with Lindsay of CountryLiving.com. Yes, please. I'm going to do a quote, and this is pretty awesome. Um, I started to hear a frantic beeping through the wall of our bedroom. As I went to investigate, I, ne- I nearly ran into one of the girls staying in the room next to ours in the hallway. The beeping was coming from a ghost detector app she had downloaded on her iPhone. While basic logic tells me that an app clearly can't detect supernatural occurrences, I can't get over the fact that the detector calmed down whenever she went back into her room, where no murders happened, and increasingly started to get louder, faster, and more irritated as she entered our room, and specifically went over to the spot where Abby was murdered. Wow. I know. That's weird, right? Yeah, that is weird. Yeah, I don't want to be running into other people. Yeah, exactly. And I don't want you coming into my room. Well, I I guess that... I don't care if my room is a hot spot for ghost activity. Look. I don't know you. Get out of my room. I'm with you. Here's the thing. I don't think that they just came into the room. Lindsay Matthews of CountryLiving.com heard the beeping through the wall, went out to investigate, had a dialogue with these girls, and I think allowed them to come into the room. Uh, so some people like that sort of thing. And yeah. they like that. They're like, oh, I'm going to meet new people and everything. Why don't we? Do you, do you have any ghost detecting apps on your phone? No, I know. We talked about this on, on an episode forever ago about doing a video for like Patreon or some sort of bonus or something of us doing like a ghost detector app thing. I think we should do it in this house because your house is weird. Oh, well, yeah. We also still have an shown off the scary room the scary basement i mean we could just do that yeah totally okay so um i'm wrapping it up here so now we know about the rooms we know about the experiences and william if you make it through the night you will be handsomely rewarded in the morning last quote from sarah they served hatchet cookies at breakfast in the morning cookies for breakfast (laughs) you're on vacation after all let's go yeah (laughs) so you know a little a little bit of camp. We know what happened here. It's all right. kooky cookie. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's not so much a bed and breakfast as it is a bed and cookies. <laughs> cookies are not breakfast. Breakfast is whatever you eat at that time, as far as I'm concerned. Well, first meal of the day. Yeah. Always right. breakfast. Always breakfast. When pizza's on a bagel. Oh, wait, no, that's backwards. When pizza's on a bagel, you can eat pizza any time. Right. Pizza in the morning, pizza in the evening, pizza at separate time. So they're implying to me those, breakfast can be at night. I was trying to say that if you have pizza in the morning on a bagel, it's breakfast. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To me, uh, uh, you can just cut out the first half of that quote. When pizza's on a bagel, you can have pizza anytime. Yeah. Cut out when pizza's on a bagel. Just keep. You can have pizza anytime. Of course you can. You a lot pizza. of people like cold pizza for breakfast. Anytime. Anytime. So guys, if you want to visit the Lizzie Borden house, it's in Fall River, Massachusetts. Oh, and if it's booked up? Just last year, the family bought Maplecroft, which they referenced before, the home that Lizzie Borden grew old and died in, that mansion just up the road, and soon you'll be able to stay there, too. They're renovating it to become another bed and breakfast. Wow. Yep. Well, I would never stay there because uh, my nemesis, Frederick Maplecroft, is a descendant of the Massachusetts (laughs) Maplecrofts, and I don't want to support him. Uh, Maplecroft is a hell of a word, huh? 
Yes. And also a hell of a name for a house. I love that houses had names like that at one point. Like you would name your estate. Yeah. There's another place in Massachusetts that we used to go. We had a very fancy family in Massachusetts yep. called like the Cranwich. Uh, the Cranwell. The Cranwell. You call, What the hell did you call it? I remember. You had a funny name for it. The Ostermeyer. <laughs> also, Dorinda Medley of The Real Housewives of New York has a home in um, Great Barrington in the Berkshires. And she's named that Bluestone Manor. That's not as good. It's, I think it's pretty good. It's not as good. It's not as good as Maplecroft, but like I like that she named her home. I'll try if again. If you had to name your house, what would you name try it? Try again, Quick. Dorinda. You're good with uh, human names. How about a house name? Cornwell. That's just because you were thinking of um, – what's it called? <laughs> Whatever we just said. Cranwell. Cranwell. Yeah, right. that, that's – yeah. The Umberly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Faz, what would you name your house? I call it the penthouse. It already has a name. The penthouse. I've never heard you say that. I mean, it doesn't come up a lot, but yeah, I live in the penthouse. (laughs) Just because it's upstairs. That's great. (laughs) It makes it sound fancy. (laughs) Well done. Thank you. Um, Well, there you have it. There you have it. There you have it. Another episode of Guide to the Unknown Mm -hmm. of the same quality as every previous episode. 100%. (laughs) Thank you all so much for hanging out with us. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, go tell your friends, mm-hmm. uh, tell them to follow at GTTU pods so that they can stay up to date with all the freaky news that's going on in the world. That's right. Um, tell them to go to patreon.com slash GTTU pod in case they haven't heard the show yet, but they do want to donate to us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let your friends know cold call them to donate to us. Yes. You can also join our private Facebook group. If you go to facebook.com slash groups slash GTTU pod. There are a lot of really awesome people in there who like share links to cool things so you should definitely do that yeah or if you want to talk to Kristen or myself you can also find us on the internet that's right I'm at chillin Kristen on Instagram I'm at haunted sponge so we will see you next week when we reunite once more to share scary stories from the dark corners of society that's right but until that time comes we must travel back to the world. go away bye bye